You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome to the Health Hub. My name is Kathy Biasse, and along with our producer, Alex Diaz, we'd like to welcome you to the show this Tuesday morning. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Kathy, and once again, good morning to our listeners. How are you today? I'm excited. Are you excited? Yeah. It's going to be a great show. Yes, we have a live in-studio guest. Yeah, it's always a treat when we have our, our guest in studio, and you'll hear from Dr. Sue in a few minutes. Um, I hope everybody enjoyed the show last week, the tape show last week with Herbie Kuhn. We got some great response to it. What a great person to talk to. Eh? Isn't he such a professional? Uh, he was fun and made it very easy to talk to him. Very so. easy to talk to. You should have seen Alex's face when we were taping that show, too. I mean, I'm still thinking about it. And, <laughs> it was, it was it so was much amazing. fun. It was. And just the, the aspect of spirituality within professional athleticism is really kind of cool. And that will be up soon on our podcast. So if you miss that show, you'll want to listen to it. And, you know, with all of our shows, we've had some amazing guests. We have an amazing guest today, and we have some great guests lined up in the future. So you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, and then you won't have to worry about searching us out. It will come directly to you. You can also find us on SoundCloud. And to that note as well, if there are any show topics that you would like us to research, to talk about, mail us at thh at radiomaria.ca. We're trying to cover all aspects of integrative health. So if there's anything that you are particularly interested, let us know and we'll do our best to tackle the subject line or the topic that you're interested in. You can also follow us on Facebook at the Health Hub RMC and on Instagram and Twitter at the same handles at the Health Hub RMC. And we always post interesting things. And of course, you get uh, upcoming guest appearances. So it's something that you want to keep in touch with. And today we're talking about environmental medicine. And it's something that I've just started incorporating. I shouldn't say just. I, I mean, I've always known that it was an important piece, but I've learned a lot in the last little while about the importance of attending to our environment. And it's one of those pieces of the health puzzle that we often omit because it's not obvious to us. And until somebody points things out within our own environment, within the outdoor environment, within our working environment, until you start listening and understanding, it's it's something that it's not just obvious to you. And so we're hoping to bring that all to the forefront today when we talk with Dr. Sue about the importance of the environmental piece in our health and well-being. And she's going to give us information and she's going to give us tools to help improve our environment and again, improve our health. But what I'd like to do, um, apropos to our show today is give you some alternatives to something commonly used in our household. And that's fabric softener, fabric softener, either the sheets or the liquid. They do have toxins. The commercial ones have toxins associated with them. You know, we use these dryer sheets uh, to stop cling, to make clothes soften, obviously, and to give them a lovely smell. But they do contain some chemicals in them. And we want to try and, and, and avoid chemical exposure as much as possible. They have phthalates, ethanol to, to start, and we can ingest those, you know, get, get them into our system by breathing them or having them on our skin and, and pulling the, the toxins into our, into our body that way. So easy, simple steps to remove one small aspect of an environmental nuisance is to do your own fabric softening. So I've just got a couple of different recipes and tricks here. I'll put them back up on the Health or Health Hub Facebook page so you don't have to run and get a pen. But here they go. Here they are. Add a quarter cup of baking soda to the wash cycle to soften your fabrics. It works amazingly well. Let me tell you, I do it 
not all the time because sometimes I am lazy, but I do it. Um, and it really helps to, to soften the fabrics. Oftentimes I don't use anything. Actually, we don't find that there's much static cling. So oftentimes I won't do anything, but if you really like that nice, especially with towels, you can do that. Also adding a quarter cup of vinegar to the rinse to soften your fabrics and eliminate cling. You can also put, you know, if you like that smell, um, these things don't obviously add smell to your laundry. But a nice way to add smell to your laundry is in when you're putting your clothes into the dryer, you can get a piece of fabric and add a few drops of your favorite essential oil or a, or a concoction of a few essential oils. Put them into your dryer with your clothes and they will come out with a nice smell to them. Definitely not as strong as your commercial dryer sheets, but understanding how important this is for your health, eliminate the fabric sheets. And this nice nice smell of the essential oils does the trick. Other than that, if you're a little bit lazier like I am, you can go to natural stores, natural food stores, and they have a lot of natural softening products that you can add directly into your washer or dryer. So hopefully that's a little bit of help to you, a little introduction into small aspects of environmental health within your own home. So on to our guest, Dr. Winnie Sue is a licensed naturopathic doctor taking an active stance to educate the public about ill effects of toxic chemicals in our food, water, our body care, cosmetics, and household products, like the dryer sheets. Dr. Sue received her medical training at the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine and is a member of the Ontario Association of Naturopathic Doctors and the Canadian Association of Naturopathic Doctors. Prior to attending the naturopathic medical school, she obtained a business degree from the University of Western Ontario. So we will be back after our break to talk to Dr. Sue about environmental medicine. So many days I listen to the voice inside my head. Never thought that I'd be someone who could be misled I wanted the mirror to show me Something I could not see I needed explanations for expectations I could never reach I know I'm not the only one who's ever cried for help And Jesus did for me what I could not do myself He changed my yourself too much when i hear you talk it sounds like you just feel like giving up i know it's hard to see through what this world will tell you because misconceptions or false reflections will never be the truth just know you're not the only one who's ever cried for help jesus loves you in ways that you cannot love yourself he changed my I'm finding beauty for the first time Looking through my phone 
are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. If you're interested in being part of our show today, if you'd like to talk to Dr. Sue, Alex, or myself, please call in at 416-245-1534. Welcome to the show, Dr. Sue. Thank you, Kathy, for having me today. Thank you for coming in. It's really a treat, honestly, when I can look at the face and talk. Looking mm-hmm. into the microphone for an hour can be, you know, I get a little little funny looking at the same thing all the time. <laughs> so it's nice to have a live face to talk to. So let's get right into things. Maybe you could tell us what environmental medicine is, what you do in your practice as far as environmental medicine. Mm -hmm, For sure. So uh, environmental medicine really looks at how toxins and toxicants affect our health and the various um, symptoms that it can cause. Now, toxins and toxicants, they fall into two different categories. Toxins are more of biological, uh, what our bodies produce naturally, but can still have uh, an effect on our health. So some examples of that would be infections, biofilm, or even estrogen, the hormone in our body. When estrogen gets broken down, it can be toxic uh, in our system. And then the other category, toxicants, are more from the external environment. So examples would be mold toxins, mycotoxins, um, solvents, plastics, pesticides. Now, these um, toxins and toxicants, like I said, can cause uh, chronic conditions or symptoms um, in the long run. So what we do at our clinic, EnviroMed, I'm a naturopathic doctor, um, we look at um, how how to address um, what these toxins and toxicants can cause. So there's for each toxin and toxicant, there's a certain symptom picture. And from that symptom picture, we, um, you know, can do further uh, testing for patients and, and blood and urine and see if that person is having a big exposure to that toxicant that's causing their symptoms. And then after that, there are certain treatments, uh, with supplements and uh, nutrition that we do to help, um, you know, support the body in that healing process. So just to take a step back in case we kind of miss that, mm-hmm. we have internal toxins. So these are things that happen from metabolism and so forth. Exactly. Are- so for example, when I mentioned estrogen, so estrogen is in you know all our bodies, whether you're male or female, and estrogen gets broken down into different pathways. And so the breakdown product of estrogen, depending on which pathway it goes down, it can be beneficial and protective for our bodies, or it could be more harmful and cause, you know, DNA cell damage. So it's these two very different paths to dealing with environmental medicine and toxins within the body. So when you're talking about internal toxins, mm-hmm. are you talking about then something that has maybe gone awry within us that needs attending to? Mm-hmm. So basically, um, you know, our body is one whole piece. So we uh, it's difficult to eliminate the external um, impact of what happens internally. But for example, when I mention infections, our body has a huge microbiome of various types of um, bacteria. Um, and so what happens, for example, when we are exposed to toxicants, one of the um, effects that it has on our body is that it can be, be an immune suppressor. So what that means is that it can affect the balance of those um, microbes in our body to make us more susceptible to more pathogenic ones um, or an overgrowth of certain um, bacteria or, or microbes. So you're dealing on two fronts then. Exactly. Now, the liver is also a huge um, detoxification pathway mm-hmm. as well. So I, I'm imagining that... That is a piece of what you're dealing with as well? Yes, for sure. Um, so the liver, there's, uh, different, uh, biochemical, biochemistry pathways that involve, that are involved in detoxification. So something very interesting that we like to look at is, you know, how well is the body detoxifying or using the, these biochemical pathways? Um, we work actually at EnviroMed with a clinical genomicist where we look at, um, genetically what is a person's predisposition, um, in terms of their detoxification ability, because that is a very important factor in environmental medicine when, um, you know, people get, when we get exposed to toxicants from the external environment. 
So some people can, you know, walking down the street on a summer day and they're tarring the street mm-hmm. and you're breathing in those fumes or you're, you're in a, uh, you know, in a parking lot and you're breathing in those fumes. Some people are better able to detoxify those things than others. Yes, of course. Um, so that is dependent on the to- detoxification capability of the body. And also a concept in environmental medicine um, is total body burden. So just to give a little bit of an analogy of what total body burden means is imagine your body like a barrel, an open barrel. So uh, at the top, it's open. At the bottom, there's a spout, let's say. And so as we go through daily life, all of us get exposed to different types of toxicants from, from the environment, let's say. And so that starts filling up the barrel. Now, the, the rate at which that barrel fills up really depends on if there's any big exposure. So, Kathy, in your example, if someone's walking, you know, down the road and there's that tar exposure, the barrel is going to start, barrel is going to start filling up much quicker than someone that's not in that same situation. So what happens is that over time, the barrel will fill up. And for some people, it's much faster, um, compared to others. And, um, you know, the first thing that we want to do is identify, well, what is that source that's coming in, you know, at that high threshold and find ways to avoid that. And the second aspect is, you know, the spout at the bottom of the barrel, the, the width or the diameter of that spout, um, really helps release those, those toxins out of the barrel. So that width of that spout is dependent on various factors in our body. So for example, the vitamins, the mineral, um, content that our body has to support the biochemistry of detoxification. And then secondly, the genetics piece. So how do you test? How does someone that come into your practice and you're trying to you know, you, you believe that there is, first of all, is someone referred to you or is this, is, is your clinic a place that people should go as part of their pathway to health? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for sure. So, um, we do collaborate with a lot of naturopath, other naturopathic doctors who may not specialize in environmental medicine because this is extra training that we've done, um, after we've graduated from the school. So we get referrals from other naturopathic doctors as well as we work with functional integrative medical doctors and other healthcare professionals who refer patients to us for a lot of complex chronic cases. But there are also patients that have found us online just through their own searching. Um, and specifically looking for environmental medicine specialists. Well, what would tip off people, uh, doctors, physicians, what would tip them off in saying, you know, I think you need to go to environmental specialists? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So basically the doctors that we work with, um, a lot of times what tips them off is, you know, through the assessment, just questioning, um, seeing if there is a big exposure. A lot of times it can be occupational based. So I have a lot of patients who are mechanics, who are hairdressers, who through their work get exposed to a lot of different types of chemicals. Um, and secondly, if the, if the person, um, tells the doctor that they have some known exposure, like moldy home or something comes up in the conversation, uh, usually that is what sends the the red flag for a referral. Um, But a lot of cases, uh, you know, if it's a complex, chronic, difficult, you know, um, case, then usually we get referrals sent that way. And there are certain health um, diagnosis or or conditions that tend to be, um, there's there tends to be an environmental aspect to it. So some of these conditions or diagnosis can be multiple chemical sensitivity, um, MCS, electrohypersensitivity, EHS, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, some types of autoimmune conditions, um, chronic pain, or even chronic Lyme. So that's where we've been getting our referrals from um, functional medicine doctors or naturopaths. Well, do you feel that what your clinic does is a part of the whole health piece, or are you someone that people would go to see if what they're trying to do isn't working? Like, are you specializing, or do you think everybody mm-hmm. should be including this environmental piece when they're trying to do better for their health? Mm-hmm. I definitely think that um, we we specialize in it just because it's, it's such a wealth of information, um, but... 
you know, in in the times that we live in today, I think everyone should know, you know, what is their body's detoxification capability? What is their body burden? What are things that they can do to reduce, you know, a toxicant load in their body um, and how to support their body and optimize the function of it biochemically to detoxify, you know, more optimally. When you have a patient come into you, when they're seated in front of you, what are you asking them to kind of dig down to find out where the issue might be? Like if it's an overexposure versus an internal issue with the liver or the microbiome that you need to attend, or or is it you do the whole thing? Mm-hmm. So uh, before our patients actually come in for the visit, we have, um, you know, it's like an eight-page questionnaire specifically on environmental medicine. So through this questionnaire, we actually gather a lot of information from the patient beforehand. Typically takes um, the patient 45 minutes to 60 minutes, up to an hour, to fill out this questionnaire. So it oh, gives us a lot well. of information um, prior to. And then uh, based on that questionnaire, there are certain questions that we want to ask more into to mm-hmm. look further in depth. A part of that questionnaire looks at timeline for occupation, um, like work history, um, home history, where they've been living. So though, um, based on that questionnaire, we kind of see certain patterns that may show up. And then to get further information to see if um, things are lining up in terms of is this a, a certain toxicant that started, you know, the the cascade of, of symptoms? Because usually the patients that we see, it's not um, just fatigue that they have. It's a combination of fatigue, of joint pain, of headaches, mm-hmm. or, you know, the, the vast combination of things. So you take each toxicant, and is it a different process to eliminate or eradicate that toxicant? Mm-hmm. Or is it just... You know, this is your overall approach to it. Yeah. So, um, so each toxicant has a symptom picture or main symptoms that it can cause. Um, the thing about uh, toxicants is that it falls into kind of two big categories. One category is the the persistent nature of the toxicant, and the other category is the non, non-persistent non nature. So for instance, what I mean by persistent is that when we get exposed to this toxicant, it can stay in the body, and the way of clearing out those toxicants is different from the non-persistent. Um, examples of persistent pollutants would be certain heavy metals, because not all heavy metals actually are. So mercury, cadmium, and lead fall into the heavy metal category that are persistent, uh, toxicant, also chlorinated pesticides are different than the organophosphate pesticides. So organophosphate pesticides is what is typically found in the, the non-organic foods. So that's why we recommend eating organic. So now going back to the, the non-persistent toxicants, um, what I mean by non-persistent is that when we avoid that toxicant, it actually clears quite rapidly from, from the body within 24 hours. Um, so other examples of non-persistent toxicants would be solvents. Um, heavy metals such as arsenic and aluminum are non-persistent. And then mycotoxins or mold toxins used to fall in this category, but there's more new research looking at the half-life of mycotoxins. And the, the half-life is longer than expected, so it could possibly or eventually fall into more of that persistent um, pollutant category. Now, what do you mean by half-life? Half-life, it tip, uh, what half-life means is how long it takes for half of the load of that toxin to clear from the body. Um, half-life is also used in um, pharmaceutical medications mm-hmm. when they do research to find out um, how long or how often someone needs to take a certain medication because once that toxicant or pharmaceutical starts getting metabolized or broken down from the body, then um, it it starts clearing out. A couple of things that have popped up in my head. So if someone's taking medication, Mm -hmm. are they basically, they've been exposed to an environmental toxin? Is that correct? That is correct in the sense that uh, when our bodies detoxify, there are certain detox pathways or systems um, that uses enzymes. And those enzymes um, vary depending on the toxicant, right? And so when we're talking about, um, you know, 
plastic solvents, all of that. So those same enzymes are actually used in uh, clearing out pharmaceuticals from pharmaceutical medications from from our body. Mm-hmm. So depending on the number of pharmaceuticals that someone is on, it could be adding to the total body burden or that barrel that we talked about. Okay, then to flip it, if someone's on medication, is it worth their while to see an environmental doctor like yourself to make sure that detoxification pathways are optimized Mm -hmm. so that their medication can be optimized, used, and cleared? Yes, for sure. And when I mentioned about the the genomics or the genetics piece of it, um, so we've been working with a clinical genomicist looking at um, the genes of the detoxification pathway. So in terms of your example, someone who's on multiple medications potentially can look at the genetic um, detoxification genes and see how well they can break down toxicants such as um, various medications that they may be on. Now that's a very interesting piece of the health puzzle mm-hmm. because medications are necessary for many, many people. But if we can optimize the medication and optimize the mm-hmm. detoxification pathway, that's a huge piece of our health. Mm-hmm. that that we're we're attending to that maybe maybe people don't realize right now. Yeah, no. So that's I, a very important piece of information. I, I totally agree with you, Kathy, and and there's um in the genetics world it's uh, it's it's growing very quickly mm-hmm. and the applications of um genetics in in medicine. So there is uh some some work being done looking at um how well um People can clear certain pharmaceuticals and, and look at, well, what may be the best pharmaceutical suited for that individual, um, specifically when it comes to medications that have to do with pain, um, depression, anxiety. Um, very important to take a look at that genetic piece because you know sometimes it's um, it's uncertain mm-hmm. as to whether precision medicine yeah interesting yeah. when we come back from our break we're going to pick up on this because i've got a lot of questions that have popped into my head that i'm going to address to dr sue so we will be back shortly today we live today we breathe today we know that we are strong when we are weak Today we trust, we overcome, take every chain that kept us slaves and throw them off. We're not waiting for permission, we defy our inhibition, like our middle name is fearless.
You are listening to The Health Hub, here on Radio Maria Canada. A Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, please call 416-245-1534. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We are in studio with Dr. Winnie Sue. Some very interesting points coming up uh, about environmental medicine. And I want to touch on something that I'm actually in, in uh, knee-deep with doing now, and that's changing over my mercury fillings. So when we're talking about little pieces of the puzzle that we can address, the, it was very interesting to me. You know, I've had breast cancer, and one thing of the things that has been associated with are the fillings in our mouth. And that's, I mean, the whole biome is a completely different topic. But I'm in the process now of getting my mercury mm-hmm. fillings out. And I've had these fillings for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And when I went into the dentist, she did a reading on them, on each one. Mm-hmm. And one read very high within the scope of, I don't know the numbers, within the scope of where safe should be. And I found it very interesting because I know I've read and this is what I should be doing and getting them replaced. But the persistence of that mercury toxicity actually did surprise me. You know, you figure they've been in there how many years mm-hmm. that that would go away. But it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. The thing with mercury fillings is that over time, it's, uh, it gets worn, right? So as the filling gets worn, it actually releases, uh, more mercury and that affects, um, you know, the, the tissue or the, the nerves that are around that area. Uh, I, I really, I am amazed about it. When she showed me the reading, I was, wow, you know, mm-hmm. I really, it's not a, it's not a, well, it's not overly, burdening, taking them out, but it's not certainly not a fun process. And, and this is specifically a, a biological dentist. That, specifically, that and then I do, uh, Dr. Sue is my naturopathic doctor, and she's put me on a protocol. So even after the filling is removed, I go right down and I start an IV process to continue with the elimination of the mercury. So very, very interesting things. What I wanted to ask you is I have read that certain toxins, toxicants, mm-hmm. can be passed on through the generations. Is that, mm-hmm. is that in fact so? Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a very interesting question, Kathy. Um, definitely in terms of looking at um, persistent pollutants, that means that they stay in, in our body. Um, and the effect, it's more of the effect of that toxicant on, on the, the child in, in utero mm-hmm. and that effect being carried on through to the, the next generation. But also looking at genetics. Um, you know, last night we had a really interesting presentation by clinical genomicist Dr. Mansour Mohammed. And he was telling us about how different toxicants actually affect gene expression. And gene expression, um, you know, once again, being passed on in utero to to the children. So one of the really important aspects of why um, the need to raise this awareness about environmental medicine is the effect to the the future generations and and their health. Mm -hmm. So gene mutation is what you're talking about. So this is truly an epigenetic type of application. Mm -hmm. So it's talking about, I mean, our genes are our genes, Mm -hmm. but ones that are triggered or not triggered are impacted so much by the environment, by many things, by our thoughts, Mm -hmm. by many, many things, by the food we eat. But this is a huge piece, and this is exactly why I wanted to have Dr. Sue on the show today, because I don't think it's something that we take seriously enough. Um, When we talk about persistence of of toxicants, even in the soils, you know, the soils that have been sprayed years and years Mm -hmm. ago, you know, when you're, think, think to sourcing. I always try and tell people, think to the sourcing of your food, because if your food is being grown in an environment that is not healthy, mm-hmm. you are ingesting those things. So all of these things that Dr. Sue was talking about, we can incorporate into our lives with her help. So when it comes to things that we should really, really be aware of, and maybe as a cue that we need to be seeing somebody, can you give us some pointers on what we should be looking for or maybe some toxic exposures that we aren't attending to that we really should be? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I can name a few things because there's, you know, a lot of times, like I said, we, we do get referrals, but... Um, if there's any known water damage or mold in the home, 
um, you know, in the, if there's a home, let's say, of, you know, four people, there may be one person out of the three that may be experiencing symptoms from the mold. It could be, you know, uh, chronic sinus infections or headaches or fatigue, number of symptoms from this mold, um, mold toxin. And the reason is because the genetics differentiates how that one person versus the other three family members can can react. So if there's any known water damage in the home, for sure, there's certain testing that we can, you know, recommend to see if um, any mold toxins are being released from the body. And if there is, then, you know, th- that's an effect because in general, healthy individuals do not have mold toxins re- being released from, from their urine. Mm-hmm. Um, other, other conditions or other kind of cues, um, as to when it would be a good idea to see an environmental doctor would be, you know, if you have chemical sensitivity or notice that your uh, sense of smell is very acute and it triggers, um, you know, headaches or migraines, irritability, uh, something as simple as, you know, if you're at a shopper shrug mart or Canadian tire and walking down the, the aisles with the, you know, cleaners or the, the rubber tires and that triggers, um, you know, that heightened sense of smell and then the symptoms. Um, those are kind of two main areas. Or if, or if you work in a certain environment that you know you're being exposed to, you know, chemicals. And like I said before, the, the mechanics, the hairdressers, the, the dental hygienists, the dentists, uh, farmers. So these are some occupations where um, you're probably getting a fairly high load um, of toxins into your barrel, and your barrel's going to fill up much faster than that average average person. Is envi- are environmental issues a piece of a of a, um, a chronic illness? Uh, you know, I'm thinking of cancer, diabetes, these type of, of mm-hmm. diseases. Is there an environmental piece that you would always want to address with these illnesses or just happenstance? Mm -hmm. So a lot of times, um, you know, in the past, a lot of people, you know, talk about cancer and toxins. Um, But there's more and more research that's actually looking at uh, chronic diseases like diabetes, autoimmune conditions that have a environmental uh, connection to it. So definitely... Um, broadening that aspect um, of what we're looking at in terms of toxins or toxicants and what uh, kind of health conditions it can cause is really important. Now, there's a lot of talk, especially as the new year came in, about detoxing, you know, juice detoxing and and buying the package and detoxing. Is that good enough to detox these things Mm -hmm. from our bodies? Um, So usually there's a specific process I think is important. It's... um, the the awareness of juice cleansing and doing those kits the awareness is good but it really different is different for each person in terms of how to detoxify you know the rate at which you do it there's certain times of the year that's better so it's much better to have someone to assist you in that process because um sometimes if you do a juice uh, cleanse, let's say it's great. You feel great afterwards, but some people can feel actually really horrible, uh, during that period of time because they may be trying to get rid of more, uh, toxicants, um, at a, at too fast of a pace that their body can actually handle. So they feel actually horrible when they're doing, mm-hmm. doing a juice cleanse. And another thing that I kind of came up in my mind is, um, you know, if you're doing any type of juice cleanses, really make sure it's organic. Um, because once again, of the organophosphate pesticides that are in it, it kind of, um, counteracts what we're trying to do. Um, mm-hmm. if you're doing a juice cleanse with non-organic juices. Okay. So the two things that uh, have come up that I'd like you to address. The first one is the fish issue and the toxins in fish. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people now are moving away from red meat, are, are trying to eat uh, a little bit differently, and they're turning to fish. Mm-hmm. And there is a broad and wide difference in qualities of fish when you're talking from lower fish to upper fish. Can you guide us along those lines? And, and how often do you recommend to your patients that they eat fish? Mm-hmm. So definitely in terms of uh, fish, 
um, mercury is the the big toxicant um, that's talked about when we talk about size of fish, you know, eating the smaller fish versus the larger fish because of the bioaccumulation uh, factor of mercury. So for instance, um, larger fish are typically re- recommended to be avoided because the example like tuna or swordfish, because they have a larger load of mercury. So smaller fish, uh, wild fish, um, there's a difference between wild fish and farmed fish. So know whether it's wild or farmed. What, what's that difference? Um, so with farmed fish, PCBs is a toxicant that's found in the, in, uh, in farmed fish because of their, their feed. So wild fish is what you want to go for. You want to go for smaller wild fish. Um, there's a good fish resource on a website, um, called EWG.org. It's the Environmental Working Group. Mm -hmm. And so if people go there, they have a really great fish uh, resource on types of fish uh, to be consuming. And then in terms of frequency, um, I would say, you know, once a week, the clean fish is is good and then you know if people are looking at protein alternatives there are lots of other foods where they can get you know good good amounts of protein okay mm-hmm. now let's start in the home mm-hmm. we want to try someone's listened to our show and they want to take their first steps and they want to start with their home mm-hmm. where would you tell them to add delete change up where would be your your key points within the household that you would say start this today yeah so kind of stepping back you know air food and water uh, so in terms of air, um, incorporating uh, plants that help actually clean the air. So there is uh, spider plant uh, family, which are really great for cleaning the air. Uh, NASA has a really good plant guide um, on types of plants. NASA, like yeah. NASA? Oh, okay. NASA. They have a really good um, plant guide on, on specific types of plants. If you want to look at the, the Latin name, the genus and the species, um, or you know if you want to get Air filters, there's a lot of great air filters out mm-hmm. there. Just just do your research. Um, f- so that's air. Food, um, definitely recommending organic food and then the, the wild small fish. Um, <clears throat> there's something called the the Dirty Dozen uh, Clean 15 for, for organic food. So that's something to look at on the Environmental Working Group, uh, once again, website. Um, and then water. In terms of water, you know, uh, I typically recommend a reverse osmosis water system, mm-hmm. um, but just making sure that you're getting clean water and, and not drinking from, from tap water. Interesting. Yeah. And opening your windows in the summertime. Sometimes that's helpful. Maybe sometimes it's not helpful. Yeah. So where you are. yeah, if you're, if you live close to a highway, I'd probably recommend that wouldn't be the most helpful, but if you're, uh, because of the air pollution, but for sure getting good, you know, air circulation, uh, in the home. Um, if you're living outside of, uh, you know, high traffic areas. And then one more thing is making sure that, uh, your home is very clean in terms of the, the dust. Um, news research is looking at how much, uh, toxicants are actually in, uh, in, in dust particles. Oh, perfect. So va- we are so in the middle of a three year renovation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that that hasn't helped our health a whole bunch either. Um, are there people that can come to your home and help you? Yes. So uh, on our website, EnviroMed Clinic, there's a building biologist that we work with. His name is Robert Steller, and he does um, a lot of interesting things. Uh, so one example is if we have patients that uh, suspect there's mold, um, mold toxins, he'll take air samples. He also has a ton of equipment uh, from Germany. He's a German building biologist where he can test uh, EMFs. Um, and, and various things. So he has tons of equipment. He can do lots of testing. He's on our website, so you can get some information um, about what he can do in the home. Going back to the EMFs you just mentioned, it's a part of our household now, right? We have Wi-Fi. We have our, we have our phones. We have everything. Are there things? People aren't going to get rid of those things. Mm-hmm. They, they. I mean, we have to talk realistically. People need that in their house right now for carrying on business and socializing mm-hmm. and so forth. Are there things that can be placed in the house that can counteract that? Or do you have any recommendations when we're talking about our phones, our computers that can help to sort of uh, deflect some of that 
EMF toxins? Mm-hmm. So what I would recommend, there's lot, there's actually lots of recommendations, um, but I can give you a couple just mm-hmm. to kind of reduce that that total body burden. So what I would say is, um, you know, at nighttime, uh, turning off the main switch to just completely um, reduce the any type of uh, frequencies that may be in the home. That's one thing. The second thing is there's really new research that's come out looking at how EMFs affect um, ourselves and our cell function. And it's specifically through a uh, the calcium uh, ion channel in cells. Oh. And so this research is looking at how magnesium, so the mineral magnesium, can help offset some of the uh, af- the cell effects from EMFs. So really interesting research there. So taking some magnesium um, would be one thing to help protect our bodies um, better. Now, if you take magnesium, is there... Um an upper limit, or is magnesium sort of flushed out of your system when you, you've hit the threshold? Mm-hmm. So each person is, like each one of my patients, in terms of how I've recommended dosing of magnesium differ, just because some people are more deficient um, that, than others based on various factors. Uh, what I would say is if magnesium is causing any type of loose stool, then then that's too much. Okay. Yeah. And there are different types of magnesium? Yes, there are. Uh, which mm-hmm. one do you recommend? Mm-hmm. So um, the type of magnesium really depends on what uh, is what it's being used for. Okay. Um, so for example, magnesium citrate tends to be a little bit more for uh, digestive or, or bowels, whereas magnesium bisglycinate, uh, a little bit more for the nervous system, calming the nervous system. Uh, magnesium malate is more for like muscle muscle pain. Um, it's they're all magnesiums, but the specific form sometimes gives a little bit more specificity mm-hmm. to when what you're using it for. So, what what type would you recommend that people try? Mm-hmm. So, um, for the EMF aspect, mm-hmm. um, any form um, rotated would do. So, not to actually be on you know just magnesium bis- bisglycinate or just magnesium citrate, but to alter. Um, and change a uh, switch between the different forms. Okay, yeah. interesting, uh, a fabulous conversation. These are so so many practical tips that you can use. Now, are you working on anything new personally or in the clinic that you're that you know you'd like to share with us before the the whole population gets a hold of it? <laughs> yes, of course. So uh, currently, I'm in the works of creating a wellness program. Uh, for back, breast health. Uh, this is specifically for women who are in remission from be- breast cancer, who are looking at, you know, steps to improve their health, or for women who want to just take a preventative approach to, to breast cancer. So kind of going back to what we're talking about in terms of total body burden, estrogen uh, toxicity, looking at the genomics uh, aspect of it. So these are all components um, of this wellness program that I'm starting to put together. And it is a kind of a category um, underneath the environmental medicine umbrella. So it's, it's the environmental piece of the breast cancer yes. puzzle, which is, mm-hmm. you know, holds a special spot for me. So I'm, I'm very interested in that. And when when will this project be launched? Is it through your clinic, or are you doing this uh, personally? Uh, it's it can be through both, actually. Uh, it's through the clinic or or myself. Um, I'm hoping to launch it in the next couple months. Uh, nice. Is yeah. this an online or is it uh, an in person? So there is going to be an online component to it, but the consults will be in person. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Very good. Looking forward to to yeah. using your program. Yeah. Uh, excellent. Um, now, we like to wrap up the show always with a tip of the day or something that you can really, you know, have our listeners rock away and say that, you know what, that's perfect. I'm going to start to do that right now. So do you have a tip of the day or mm-hmm. some actual things that we haven't talked about that yeah, you'd like to share? we've covered a lot. We have right? covered a lot. really good <laughs> tips today. Um, but one thing, this is a little bit uh, a broader, but just to be a conscious, conscious buyer, be aware of, you know, what you're purchasing, what you're eating. You know, a lot of times um, reading labels is really important for food products, but read labels of, you know, the the body lotion or any body care products that you're putting onto your body. Read the labels of, you know, what makes up the, the furniture that you're purchasing. Mm-hmm. So just really be aware um, that, you know, 
toxicants do cause um, health conditions um, and just know what what you're purchasing. Excellent. Well, it's been a great show. Thank you very much, Dr. Sue. If you'd like to get in contact with Dr. Sue, her website is www.enviromedclinic, E-N-V-I-R-O-M-E-D-C-L-I-N-I-C, Dot com, so environmentclinic.com. I will put that up on the Facebook page. You can find her there. If um, This is sort of a, an addendum to that website. You can also do um, backslash Dr. hyphen Winnie hyphen Sue, and it will take you to, to her directly on that. But again, if you've missed that and you'd like to get in contact, you can always you can always let us know, and I'll pass that information on to you. So thank you very much for joining us in studio. I really appreciate it, and we will be back next week on The Health Hub. to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.